Hello, and welcome back to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. There are some services that we've come to expect to stay with us since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. For example, curbside pickup, groceries delivered to our door, remote working, and virtual office visits or telemedicine. Our guest for this episode is Dr. Ariel Santos, trauma and acute care surgeon, associate professor and director of telemedicine for the School of Medicine. Dr. Santos explains the differences between telehealth and telemedicine, how he and other physicians use telemedicine, what the benefits are to using telemedicine, and reveals which patients are the most open to using virtual visits. Dr. Santos, welcome to our podcast. Thank you very much, Melissa, and thank you very much for the invitation. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do here at the Health Sciences Center? All right. So uh, my name is Ariel Santos. I'm a uh, trauma and acute care surgeon, and I'm also a surgical intensivist. And uh, I'm an associate professor at TTUHSC with the Department of Surgery. I'm the chief of acute care surgery service at Covenant. I'm the section chief there and co-director of the uh, surgical ICU as well. And the other thing that I'm doing as well is I'm the director of telemedicine for the School of Medicine. Well, again, welcome to our podcast. It's great to have you. Yes. And uh, just to add on those other hats that I wear, you know, uh, I also represent our institution as a telehealth advisor for the American Association of Medical Colleges or AAMC. We created this nice competencies and I will give you the uh, copy later on and be an advisor to the president as well as to UMC and uh, other institutions and other societies as well, including the Society of Critical Care Medicine. Well, I'm very glad that you brought that part up because in doing my research, I found out that TTOHSC is a pioneer in telemedicine. We're at the forefront and developed this way before the pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit about that and also explain what telemedicine is? All right. So there are different terms floating around, you know, that people may get confused. Telemedicine, telehealth, digital health, they are usually used interchangeably. However, telemedicine per se is a direct clinical care. It's just like going to your doctor, however, virtually. So it is a direct clinical care provided from a distance using electronic communication and usually through video. You know, some people do phone as well, and that is considered as uh, telemedicine. However, telehealth is much more broader umbrella. This includes telemedicine and other modalities of communications as well. You know, we have what we call remote patient monitoring, wherein we have our wearable devices, and this is information are being transmitted, you know, uh, from our devices to our patient's information or health records, and this is also uh, part of telehealth. So telemedicine is part of telehealth. Telehealth is a broader umbrella. So consumer education, what we call Project ECHO, webinars, and all other health educations are under the umbrella of telehealth. However, not to be confused, uh, they are sometimes being interchangeably used with with digital health, M-Health as well, you know, is the uh, terms being thrown out there, but they're all related. So tell us how 
TTUHSC got started in telemedicine or telehealth? Well, this is before I become the uh, director of telemedicine at the uh, School of Medicine at TTUHSC. We've been doing a lot of uh, telemedicine. There's an instance where in a uh, neonatal, you know, a patient need care and the care was provided from our institution to that certain area near the Presidio County area. And so care was given that way. And uh, even, you know, uh, before I came in, you know, we, we have a lot of telemedicine activities going on. We provided care to our burn patient in El Paso. We have our, you know, teledermatology. We use telemedicine to manage our prison health care, you know, uh, what we call the uh, managed health care. So, they don't need to be transported to our clinic, and that will save a lot of money and provide quality care to uh, our incarcerated patients. So how do you and patients use telemedicine? So personally, I'm a surgeon, and so uh, I'm operating, and, and as acute care surgeon, I operated on acute you know, appendicitis, you know, uh, cholecystitis, follow-up on our patients' are being done now, you know, uh, through virtual follow-up or, you know, telemedicine. So we could check on what, how they're doing. You know, we could discuss what is the pathology report. We could check on the wound and the quality of the wound. And if they need to see us sooner, you know, uh, in a brick and mortar or in personal, personally, you know, uh, in person, in our clinic, we could do that as well. I think this will just prevent, you know, and uh, we could prevent readmission and actually to see if there's a problem earlier on. On, rather than wait for their, you know, in-person follow-up. So there's a lot of utility with telemedicine. And uh, as a surgeon, you know, we take care of patients with colostomy as well, you know, uh, or what we call ileostomy, that is the bag that we use or put in, you know, uh, in certain cases. And we will know if they will get dehydrated. We could follow that up. We could see the wound and how they're healing through telemedicine. But in our institution, you know, uh, we're really embracing telemedicine. Our students have access to telemedicine, so they don't need to miss class. They could actually, at their home, see our provider and uh, be advised on different health concerns and probably have a note so they could, you know, if they need to miss class and need to be to recuperate or need to be admitted to a hospital or need to be seen, we could triage that, you know, sooner rather than later. And this is also helpful for elderly patients who might have problems driving in from a rural area or driving in general. Absolutely. As you know, we are here, you know, in the South Plains and we have a lot of patients you know, uh, miles away from Lubbock, and we take care of them. We even have patients as far as eastern New Mexico that goes to our institution for healthcare. And so the travel is long, and for instance, you have an 8 o'clock appointment in our clinic, and you're from eastern New Mexico, and with the time difference, you probably had to leave your place average of uh, 5 o'clock in the morning in order to get into your 8 o'clock appointment. Right. And so I think telemedicine is a green option as well. You know, it is so convenient. You don't need to miss work. You don't need to, you know, ask somebody for child care if you have uh, kids and uh, transportation as well. You know, right now the cost of gas is, is so high. And so this could do a lot of savings, you know, for, for our patients. And uh, 
the travel costs as well and you know factor it in that you have to probably you know buy some snacks and you know uh, lunch and you know uh, dinner if this you know uh, if your appointment is in late in the afternoon so or hotel if you're and hotel related. sometimes you're correct you're correct so those are the things that uh, you know are I would say advantages of telemedicine and we should probably embrace that so we're we're doing that and uh, we have that with our uh, primary care as well and uh, different subspecialty surgeries doing it you know uh, urology is doing telemedicine as well, as well as other subspecialty of medicine like nephrology, pulmonology, cardiology, infectious diseases. We have an HIV clinic we're in. We're taking care of their medications through telemedicine. And let me just mention as well, not just medicine, but health as a whole, like rehab medicine, you know, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech-language pathologists, pharmacy have been embracing telemedicine as well. So we could provide care safely and on time. And telemedicine, I'm promoting telemedicine, obviously. (laughs) However, I would say that telemedicine is not the panacea for everything. You know, there are cases like if the patient is in trauma that needs emergent care. Probably telemedicine could be a conduit to hasten triage system so you could be seen sooner by a uh, specialist or provider. I think telemedicine could also help us navigate, you know, uh, rather than being passed on from one provider to another, we could collaborate and do a multidisciplinary care for our patients. So I'm kind of thinking it will be a concierge personal care for, for our health. How is that different? Well, I know you were discussing many, many different uses for telemedicine, but how is it different from, let's say, like a nurse hotline or other hotlines like that that we've had in the so, past? So we have that as well, you know, uh, in our institution, it's very successful. And and I would say that is actually, you know, a uh, telehealth. However, the telemedicine we're offering, you know, uh, could also range from, you know, uh, just giving you information and advice to really taking care of you from different specialties and, you know, from primary care to specialized medicine. We could also take care of, you know, uh, other aspects of your health, like your, you know, medications you're taking and everything. And... um, Sometimes the the point is kind of a little bit blurred on, you know, which one is which one. I I think eventually this is just like a Venn diagram wherein there's a lot of, you know, circles that is, you know, overlapping each other. And I think that is the wave of the future. Um, I would say the uh, nurse's hotline is just part of telehealth, you know, but we could do more. We could see the patient. There is, you know, rather than a phone call, you could actually visualize the patient. And the beauty of telemedicine as well is, you know, you could see some of the social determinants of health. Like if I'm seeing my patient through a video or virtually, I could see as well, you know, where's their refrigerator? What is inside those refrigerator? What are their medication? Uh, one of the story I'm, I would like to mention is there's one patient who is diabetic that has been returning and, you know, keep on being readmitted, you know, because of, you know, uncontrolled blood sugar level. But she swear that she's injecting the medication, you know, uh, on a regular ba- basis. However, by a telemedicine, and, and by the way, this could be, you know, discovered as well, you know, by in person, but by telemedicine, we were able to discover that the uh, patient is not 
adequately storing the insulin and actually non-refrigerated. And so that's why at a certain time of the year, you know, when probably the medication is expiring, you know, uh, her blood sugar is shooting up. And so these are, you know, a a direct example of, you know, uh, the, the things that probably telemedicine could bring, which is much more advantageous than actually uh, seeing the patient in person. Because in, in seeing a patient in person, you're seeing the patient, but you're not seeing their living conditions. And so I think uh, telemedicine will give us a window, a glimpse of what's going on in their, in their lives. And uh, there's a saying that, you know, we don't want to discharge the patient to the condition we're in. That condition is causing them to be sick. So whenever we discharge them, we're just sending them back. And what will happen, right? They will come back and get readmitted again. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the TV show House where he would send his his students to go check out the person's house or apartment or whatever. Just I, I like the TV show as well. You know, I'm not very big fan of, you know, his character, you know, but definitely interesting. There Dr. were aspects. House. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. So in addition to that, are, are, what are the other benefits to telemedicine? Well, we have what we call the triple aim. You know, uh, it in- improves the patient's health care, the population itself. It, in- it in- improves access to health care and it improves patient satisfaction. And I will just add, you know, another, another branch to that aim. You know, I'm making it a quadruple aim. It actually improves physician or provider satisfaction as well because rather than me going to work and, you know, putting my tie on and my, you know, uh, my uh, white coin and everything, I could potentially do this. I could still do that. And I should encourage, you know, uh, people who's doing telemedicine to dress professionally. That's part of the, uh, what I called website, uh, just like the, uh, you know, uh, the bedside care, you know, uh, uh, you should have the website care as well that we had to dress professionally. But, you know, rather than, you know, uh, commuting, you could actually do that, you know, at the comfort of your home as well. So it improved access, you know, for the patient, it could reduce, you know, the uh, patient travel. And, it could address, I think, you know, the physician and provider shortage. Like, for instance, we have a specialist here at Lubbock that could deliver the care, the specialized care, you know, in Amarillo or in Permian Basin without living, you know, uh, uh, Lubbock, the city of Lubbock, and without her or him trans- uh, traveling, you know, to those uh, institutions. The other thing, though, is I think a patient can be receive healthcare locally as well. So rather than you know patients, for instance, in uh, Artesia or Carlsbad, they don't need to travel you know to Lubbock. They could be taken care of in their locality as well. And you know I think it's a greener option as well. So there's many uh, advantages as well. And I mentioned earlier on the social determinant of health that could be seen using telemedicine. Who, in your experience, who is most likely to use telemedicine? Well, I initially thought the millennials would be the one using telemedicine, but studies showed that actually everyone could use telemedicine. I am actually surprised with recent you know, data from Becker saying that actually this is well embraced by the elderly population. I initially thought, oh, there is a digital divide, but I think with proper education, that's actually very beneficial for them. And the other thing though with telemedicine is you could actually accompany, you know, uh, uh, the one taking care of the patient could actually accompany the patient per se, you know, during the virtual visit. And that 
I, and I will mention as well, you know, pediatrics could benefit as well, you know, from, from this. And so everyone, I think, could utilize telemedicine. And this could be used as well globally as well. You know, uh, I do uh, global surgery and uh, mission abroad. I think telemedicine is a good way to at least see what's going on in that area and uh, prepare the patient that needs an operation even before I go there. So I am not wasting time, you know, waiting for some preoperative workup and everything. So uh, global medicine uh, is one, you know, uh, shortages of providers, you know, uh, especially in West Texas, it's kind of hard to attract, you know, multiple specialties, especially the, uh, the very specialized services in our area. So it is a possibility that rather than them, you know, leaving where they want to leave, they could still practice in West Texas and provide care that is so specialized without leaving their locality or where they live at. What do you think is the future of telemedicine? Well, I think the uh, future is very bright for telemedicine. You know, uh, I'm wearing a, uh, you know, wearables, you know, uh, right now, and it measures my sleep measures my heart rate, my heart rhythm. I think everyone will eventually, and I saw you wearing one, I think eventually this could be a way of monitoring how we're doing. It could alert us that, hey, you're having arrhythmia. Or there's actually a, a study saying that your oxygenation, and this is uh, during COVID, uh, they could predict people who will develop COVID even before they have symptoms because of their oxygen level and some of the vital signs. There are a lot of metrics going on right now that I think is very beneficial. By the way, I forgot to mention, we actually have a, a piloted a remote patient monitoring wherein People have those wearables and uh, things that, you know, uh, we gave them, a kit that we gave them that we could measure the blood pressure, uh, you know, uh, uh, weight and everything. And we could actually predict who are the ones that could potentially get hospitalized. And we could intervene before they get worse. So preventing readmission. And so, uh, you know, all of this technology could potentially reduce costs decrease readmission of patients, at the same time, you know, improve the quality of life of our patients, keeping them away from the hospital. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I'd just like to mention as well that, you know, uh, we have a lot of things going on, but we have a lot of challenges as well. You know, the legislations are changing. Coming May 11, 2023, the public health emergency will be lifted. And so, you know, some of the rules will revert back to where it was. So right now, we're able to do a lot of telemedicine without a lot of restrictions. But by May 11, that will that will probably change and uh, legislations are changing. And so we're supporting, you know, uh, the broadening of telemedicine services and improving more of the services. I think also that since telemedicine is burgeoning, you know, uh, the uh, utility is increasing, I think we had to make sure that we educate, you know, our current provider. Because during my medical school, there's no such thing as telemedicine. And so we are not very much aware on what to do with telemedicine. I think we have a crash course during the COVID-19, but I think this should be part now of the medical curriculum. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, I'm part of the AMC committee, you know, that build up the competency. And so I'm actually promoting that, that I think we had to increase telemedicine education in our medical schools, as well as, you know, uh, the current provider, because I think they should be a role model on, on to do telemedicine. And um, uh, I think we should also, you know, uh, not typecast that 
for instance, we have a geriatric or aging you know, population that, oh, they will not do telemedicine. In contrary, they're actually embracing it because, you know, uh, getting up and preparing and going, you know, uh, getting some transportation is very difficult for our elderly population. So if they could do that in the comfort of their home or their bedrooms, I think they find it very convenient. Also, I'm, I would like to mention that telemedicine is not a replacement for the current healthcare. I think it's an adjunct. I think it could be a bridge, you know, to make healthcare accessible. It will not replace, you know, the usual patient-provider relationship. I still want to talk to my patient, examine them. The technology is improving with the AI as well. You know, uh, things are improving to the point that you know some of the uh, workflow and algorithms are being done in order for us to be much more accurate and be better with our diagnosis and treatment. There might be some concern with reimbursement, but I'm pretty sure our state, local, and federal government is on that to make sure that we have equitable payment as well, because nobody will do this if they are not properly compensated as well. The other thing, though, is logistics and infrastructures. You know, if you don't have broadband access, you cannot have telemedicine, unfortunately. So I think um, our federal and state government should, you know, really work hard to provide this. For me, broadband, I think, is as important, you know, uh, probably not as important as, you know, food, water, you know, uh, uh, and electricity. But, you know, they are now part of our modern living that we cannot live without it. I will have problems if I, you know, lost my phone or, you know, have no access to internet, you know, I think uh, I will have panic attack to, to, you know, if that occurs to me. And so for a regular person, I think this should be accessible to, to us. And the government is doing a lot of, you know, uh, creative ways on how to, you know, open up broadbands, like, you know, opening up libraries, public gatherings and halls and institutions, you know, to make this accessible to a uh, regular public. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and telling us all about telemedicine. Well, you're very much welcome. And thank you very much. It is a pleasure and honor to be here with you all. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susanna Cisneros, Mark Hendricks, and me, Melissa Whitfield.